We have with us this morning Kevin Vance, who comes to us uh, from the Gentle Road Church of Christ in Regina. And uh, in the year and a half or so that I've been here at this church, I've heard many things about Kevin, um, most of them good. And uh, yes, some of them even true, he says. Um, And so I I was excited on Friday night to finally get to meet him, and he brought with him, uh, I think, 18 teens and as well as a few young adults and they brought a great group and uh, it was just really exciting to kind of see that fruit from their ministry Um, um, these young people that they've been training and building up and so um, that's just one aspect of what they do and I'm sure we'll hear a bit more from Kevin here but Kevin why don't you come up Um, I'll say a prayer for you and then hand it over Heavenly Father we thank you um, for the community that you have given us um, that we have brothers and sisters around the world um, that are able to work together um, for the purposes of your kingdom. And, and God, we thank you especially this morning for Kevin and for the work that he does. We thank you for the message that he's going to bring us this morning. Um, pray that you would bless him and uh, bless us as we listen. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm honored to be able to speak here on this historic day, the first sermon at this church with an NDP government in Alberta. <laughs> It's an honor and privilege and a surprise. (laughs) And another sign that Saskatchewan is taking over the country. (laughs) Oh, my. You just never know what's going to happen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Kevin Vance. I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan, and I'm a church planter with the General Road Church of Christ there. Uh, We live in north central Regina. My wife, Lisa, is here. And we have a bunch of youth, uh, about 21 of us, I guess, from from our ministry. So thank you. And uh, part of what we wanted to do this weekend was to uh, come and visit Dakota. Uh, I don't know if you all know Dakota, but she's going to come and share for a moment. Um, But uh, as one of our partnering churches, you're one of the congregations that makes it possible for us to do our ministry. So we want to say thank you. and, And we covet your prayers, and we know that your prayers oversee our lives and our ministries. So we thank you very much for that. Dakota Sificus uh, moved here from Red Deer last year and was a part of your congregation uh, for a number of months. And then she came to work with us in the fall for four months. And she gained a, a big part of our hearts. And uh, that's why all the youth wanted to come and, and be, uh, be with her and see her this weekend. So I'm going to ask her to come and share a little bit about her work last fall. Hi, so as Kevin said, my name is Dakota. Um, I do live here in Calgary. um, Some of you might not know me um, very well, um, but hopefully you'll get to know me a little better within the next five minutes. Um, So, uh, yeah, I started in September. Um, I left Calgary one nice morning and headed on my way to Regina. I've known, like Kevin, for the past couple of years. I went to Mission 610, which is just their week of mission in Regina, um, in the inner city. So I went and I did that a few times, and so that's how I got to know um, most of the Regina crew. And then I kind of got offered a job, I guess you could say, to work with the church. And I, I prayed about it. I didn't really know. I just graduated at the time, and I didn't really know what God was calling me to do, but um, he kind of called me to Regina, and so I headed out, as I said, one nice morning from the city and um, headed on my way to Regina, and I honestly have to tell you that was like the most emotional day for me. I 
I didn't even know like what I was going to do for these kids. I didn't think that I had anything to offer them. I thought I was just going to be some person and maybe boss them around and drive them places and <laughs> I don't know, be a youth leader. That's that's kind of what I always considered youth leaders. I was like, okay, well, they just tell you to go here and go there and they take you places and sometimes you take cool camping trips and I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just going to be this youth leader who does that. But um, little did I know, God had so many more amazing things planned for me there. Um, I got to live with Kevin and Lisa, and that honestly was, like, the most amazing blessing for me. Um, I moved out when I was 16 um, due to um, an abusive home. Um So I've never really truly had a family of my own until I lived with Kevin and Lisa. So, sorry. Um, So yeah, that was really amazing. I got to live with them, and that was something that really touched my heart. Um, And as I was learning and growing and through my entire four months being in Regina, um, I had their support, and it was like I had a family again. But I'm going to open my notes here because Kevin will tell you I'm really bad at not going from my notes. I'm really good at just talking. (laughs) So Kevin gave me a few questions to answer. Um, So how I saw God working when I was in Regina. um, My heart is something that is really fragile and... Working with kids who struggled with, well, who still struggle with so many of the things that I um, struggled with growing up was something that really um, was really challenging. I, um, I kind of described it to Kevin like my heart was broken in so many different ways when I was in Regina, but then God healed me in so many new ways through that. And not for the children, but for myself, I healed a lot through prayer and through sharing my story with the kids and um, just those kind of things. And I just like, I don't know, you'll see the van outside and um, just the whole like, do justice, love mercy and walk humbly with your God was something that really, thank you, thank you. Um, It just really reminded me every single day when I was in Regina that although my heart was being broken, I was I was learning and I was growing and God was using me in so many different ways as I was there. And I don't know, as I look out in the audience, I see all your guys' faces. And um, the biggest thing that I got from Regina was the relationships. I I love these kids so much. And um, and it just makes my heart feel so good to see them again and for them to spend time with me and to meet all you guys. And so yeah, that's that's all I really have to share. <laughs> so. I'm just going to sit down and let Dakota talk because, you know, it's hard, it's hard to follow Dakota. She's a big heart. Um, <clears throat> so part of, um, part of what we do is we do have interns throughout the year um, 
who work with us in different ways. And part of our desire is to groom up young people with a heart for, for the Lord and for his, his mission. And so I um, encourage you to get to know Dakota. And, and it was a treat to have you with us in Regina. It's great to see you again. <clears throat> and so uh, our thank you as a church uh, to your church from us is from the heart. And we thank you for making it possible to do the ministry that we're doing. And, and we, uh, we appreciate that very much. <clears throat> this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about the in-between kingdom of God. This is a painting that was commissioned by a church in the United States. It has four panels on it. These four panels tell the story of God's, uh, God's story. And the first panel is the, the creation, the beginning. Genesis. And when God first envisioned this world, he, he saw something beautiful, something perfect, and he created life. And seven times in the book of Genesis, chapter one, it says that God saw that it was good. And the seventh time it says that God saw that it was very good. And so everything God made was beautiful and it was glorious and it was majestic and it was full of joy and life. But then, as we know, in the second chapter of God's history, the fall in the Garden of Eden, there was a dark presence. And that dark presence undermined all the good that God had in store for our world. And uh, he caused us to doubt our good father and to disobey him. And that introduced a whole realm of mess into our world that just under, undoes all the good that God has for us. On Thursday night <clears throat> in Regina, our high school youth group was meeting. We invited... Uh, uh, First Nations elder to come and speak to us. Her name was Deanna, 70-year-old lady. She came and spoke to our youth and shared with us her story. When she was six years old, she was taken from the Star Blanket First Nation in, in Saskatchewan, taken to a residential school. Her family was very poor, so all they had was, all she had for, for an outfit was her, her, one, her one outfit, which represented her culture and her, 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 her heritage. And they only got, they had to wear uniforms at the residential school, so she only got to wear that very occasionally. Well, there was one particular Sunday where she was wearing her outfit. They were out playing baseball, and every month they had these tasks that were given. Her task had been to clean up the sports equipment that was outside. And uh, the day before, the Saturday, the day before, the responsibilities had rotated, so she was no longer in charge of that. So this was on the Sunday. That was no longer her job. And the nun said to her, she said, um, she said, Deanna, pick up that ball. The, the whistle had gone. All the kids went to line up to go in to do whatever. And she was still out on the baseball field. And the nun told her to pick up the ball. And she said, no. And she said, pick it up. And she said, no. She told her a third time, pick it up. And she said, no. And so the nun hit her in the nose, broke her nose. And the blood just flowed down and covered her outfit. They put her in the infirmary for a week, and they beat her some more in there. And to this day, at the age of 70, Deanna still does not know where her clothes are. You see, our rebellion to God has introduced violence and anger and degrading of people, and it undoes our whole world, everything that is good in this world. And those demons that were in the garden that undid all of that, those same demons live today. They, they live within us and they live in our, in, our, in our organizations, our churches sometimes, in our systems. And uh, they undo the good that God wants to see in our world. And because this is so counter to what God wants, he intervened and he sent in his son Jesus Christ 
to die for us and to be resurrected, as Kevin said, at the communion. To be resurrected physically and bodily out of the grave, to do something that no one had ever done before. No one had ever been raised from the dead, never to die again. And that act, that intervention in history introduces the kingdom that Jesus said was near, the kingdom that is at hand. And Jesus Christ, being the king, is beginning to be coronated there. But we have not seen all of that finalized yet, all of that consummated until the end of the end of the world when Jesus Christ comes back and the kingdom is, is consummated in all of its glory and all of its finality. All of, all of the purposes of God come to fruition at the end of time when he restores everything to its glorious end. That is God's dream. That is God's purpose. And you can see here the change from here to here. In Revelation chapter 22, it says that there is the tree of life there. In, in verse 2, it says, and they bear different fruit every month. 12 different fruits all year. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And so this world that God is envisioning and God is moving everything towards is so glorious. It's so awesome. We can't even imagine what it will be like. So here's what I want to share with you this morning is that we live right here. We live between these two panels. We know that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. We, we tasted this morning physically the bread and, the, and we drank the cup to remind ourselves that this has happened. And so we know that, but we are not seeing yet all of this renewal, all of this awesomeness that God has planned for the future. So we live in tension. We live in this, between this period and this period. We know that God is working in our lives, but we, have, we still have these demons that we, we struggle with. And so the text that I want to share with you this morning is a reflection on this tension, this tension between the kingdom that has started to be inaugurated but has not yet been fully coronated. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. You see, the curse that happened early on not only affects... Well, it's gone. (laughs) The curse that happened early on in Genesis chapter 3 not only affects our personal lives and our relationships, but it affects the environment. And the creation, Paul says, is waiting, it's groaning, it's eagerly leaning forward to the time when all things will be restored and it says that will brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So we as God's people are already experiencing, we are already tasting the glory and the freedom of the children of God and the whole rest of the universe is eagerly anticipating joining in with that. Now I don't know what all that means but I do know it's awesome. (laughs) We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So here's what I want to share with you as an illustration of this, how we live between these two chapters. 
A few years ago, we had uh, a problem with our television signal. We, um, I would be watching like football games, rider games, and um, and we the audio wouldn't wasn't working on the television. So I'd be see, I, we could see the game, but we couldn't hear the commentators. So after a while, I decided to turn off the audio on the TV and listen on the radio. What we found out was the audio on the radio was about seven seconds ahead of what was happening on television because the television signal had to go to Toronto and come back and everything else. And the audio signal from the radio was local in Regina. So, you know, we would hear what was going to happen seven seconds before it happened on TV. It was just kind of the weirdest thing. You know, we knew we were going to win the Great Cup before we actually did. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, so, you know, Durant, Darian Durant would take the ball and he would throw it to Dressler. Dressler would go for like nine yards and, and second down and one. And, and so, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened on TV. It was awesome. Like, without fail, it always happened. You know, like you could go to the bank on it. So that's my illustration for what's going on here, is that we have heard the audio. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And that event in history is God's intervention and God's guarantee that everything will be different. We know it. And we base our lives on it. And we look forward to the end. We look forward to the video that we will get to see. We only have heard it. We only, we only sense it kind of vaguely. But we know in HD there will be a time when that HD video will be awesome. And the book of Revelation describes, have you ever been to the IMAX? I love how you sit there and the, the screen is like this and it wraps around you like this and the sound surround. And, you know, the, the design of this is so that, you, so that we sit there and it's not just watching a movie. It's like we're part of it and you feel like when you go off the cliff, you know, the plane goes off the cliff. You go, you know, you feel it because you're a part of it. And the reason for that in the book of Revelation is that sometimes darkness gets a hold of our hearts in such a deep way, like it gets a grip on our hearts so that we give up. We tend to say, like, I'm done with life. I can't go on anymore. We get depressed and we get to the point where we don't, we just want to give up. And so the Revelation IMAX says you are part of a story. You are part of a story where we know what the end is. We know the victory we have. And the end, heaven is so unimaginable. You cannot even begin to conceive of what it is like. But just know this, that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And your hope in heaven is guaranteed. And all the injustice and all the garbage that was created by the evil one and his demons. You know, the new world will not even have the opportunity for temptation. Because it says in Revelation that Satan and all of his henchmen, all of his minions, will be thrown into the lake of fire and destroyed forever and ever. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be no longer any sea anymore where all of that turmoil, all that turbulence comes out of and all the evil one and all of his beasts come from. That will be all destroyed. So this new world will be awesome. And so we've heard the audio. We look forward to the video. And so God is on a mission. This is, this, is, this is what God is doing. God is on a mission to bring all of his good world back to its original dream and even more. And we as the church, we are the kingdom of God in this in-between time. And we work as agents of that new creation now. We work to bring that about now in hope and joy and purpose in the, in the hearts and lives of people. That's what we do to taste that future glorious kingdom. So this morning, Kelly asked me to share a little bit. He told me you guys were talking about the kingdom, and he asked me to share a little bit about what we're doing in Regina, what God is doing in order to um, kind of illustrate what this means. So I have a couple things I want to share with you, a few stories. 
First one is, um, <clears throat> so our ministry in Regina is mostly with kids and teens. So we have, on Monday night, we have a kids outreach. We have about 40, 30 to 40 kids in kindergarten to grade five that come um, in the inner city there. And then we have, on Tuesday night, we have middle school, grades six to eight, about 20 youth that come to that. And then on Thursday night, we have our high school outreach, which is, we have about 25 there. And most of this group is in that, in that uh, older high school group. So we had some, a couple years ago, we had some kids, we had five boys, uh, all brothers, coming to our youngest outreach. Um, and there was another little girl, a new baby girl at home, six kids, and mom and dad, and they all lived in a one-bedroom house. So eight people, one-bedroom house, paying $1,200 a month for rent, and that included utilities, which the price of that was way, way out of whack with the market. And as I got to know this family and different things that we did, you know, the Christmas Eve, uh, Margaret and I went over to their house and one-bedroom house, eight, eight people, no Christmas tree, no Christmas presents. Um, but the part, the part that really bugged me, well, there were two parts that bugged me. The owner of the house required them to pay cash. He would never take a check for the rent, and he required it to be paid on the 20th instead of the end of the month, so basically pay, prepaid 10 days early. And he would never give a receipt. So basically, he was hiding all this from the CRA, which any, any tax collectors here in the room we can re- re- report this guy? So anyway, but the thing that made me the most angry was the receipt part because in Saskatchewan, because the rents are kind of like here, I guess, um, they could have gotten a rental supplement. They could have gotten an additional $600 per month from the government to help them with the costs of their home. But because they had no receipt, they had no way to prove it, and they couldn't get the rental supplement. So basically, $600 a month was deprived from this family because they were not given a receipt. And so one time I was with them, and I said to them, to the mom and dad, his name was Stacy from Quakatoos First Nation, and I said, you know, when you pay the rent, I said, what? I'll go with you. That's the first thing I said. I'll go with you. I'll, I'll help you if, if you want. Just, just say we need a rent, a receipt. That's only fair. And they said, No, 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 no. We don't want to. We don't want to. You know, upset the apple cart and create waves and get evicted. So I said, Okay. Here's here's what I here's a suggestion. Why don't you say I have the cash for this month's rent in my pocket, but I'm not going to give it to you till I get a receipt for last month. She said, No, no. She can't do that. And so shortly after that, they moved to Saskatoon. And so I don't know who lives in that house now. And we lost track. We lost connection with his family. But here's part of what I want to say. The people that own a home, like a landlord, has more power than a tenant typically. And the people, at least the people I know in Regina, do not want to confront their landlord about anything because they don't want to get evicted. So people who have power often abuse it and take advantage of people that are more vulnerable. And so as people of the kingdom, as agents of this future kingdom, we advocate for justice. We say, I will go with you. I will help you. I will, here's a suggestion of what you can say. Because people who have been abused, people who have been, they don't have the voice to say it. And so we come alongside and we say, hey, I'll help you with the words to say it. I'll help you with the strength to say it. I'll help you with the encouragement. I'll go with you. That's justice. And the new kingdom is a kingdom of justice. It's an upside-down kingdom where the poor are blessed and the rich, well, (laughs) it's an upside-down kingdom. And so we advocate for those in need. We advocate for those who are vulnerable. And we stand with them because that is part of what we are called to do as agents of this new kingdom. Another thing we do, 
Um, so two weeks ago on Friday night, there was a fire. Um, those of you know the Regina 11 block Ray Street, these two houses, both on 25-foot lots, there was a fire that burned both these houses. The house on the right had 11 people in it. Grandpa and grandma, bunch of kids, um, mom and dad. And so they were displaced. So Friday night, the fire happened. Saturday, three doors down, there's a family that lives there, and their oldest daughter is here, back over there. And uh, they come to our youth and, and kids outreach and things. So I get a message from Sheridan, who's in grade five. They live three doors down. When the fire happened, 10.30 Friday night, the father had, they had two little babies in diapers, and the dad brought their two little babies to their house, first house they went to, three doors down. So the next night, I get this Facebook message from Sheridan. My neighbors had a fire. Can we do anything? You know, can you help? And I said, well, I don't know them. I said, if, if you come with me, I'll go and we'll meet them. We'll find out what they need. So we went on Sunday. We met them. And there was, there was, uh, <laughs> you were there, right, Rihanna? Were you there that day? No, Sheridan and Eddie's five. So we had five kids, Eddie and a bunch all the way up to grade nine. They went with me to the grocery store. We bought $171 of groceries. And we went over and we took it to this family. And then put out the word to the youth group and the, the middle school group gave some money and the high school group gave some money. And overall, in two weeks, there was $2,300 raised from, from different places. So we went over three or four times and gave food. And here was some picture of us giving some clothes and things. And, um, and so, you know, your house burns down and you have nothing. And so what do you do? So the thing I love about this story was the kids. You know, this girl in grade five, it was her initiative. Sheridan. And so I told the kids after, I said, I'm proud of you guys. You guys are agent. You're servants of the kingdom. And you're meeting needs in the community. I said, keep your eyes open for more. But a grade five kid did that. And so praise God for, for that. So we're just people of love, people that are generous. Now, the thing we are is people of beauty. This is a bar in Regina. It's called the Jolly Roger. Um, and it tends to attract unsavory people. <laughs> putting it nicely uh, when we went to paint this this is what it looked like when we were done but we had to pick up we had to cut the grass along the bottom and then the, we called the city and they came and got the needles you know the that were all in the grass down there and stuff before we could paint the wall but you know part of what the evil one does is he makes our world so bleak remember that second panel like he makes the world ugly and part of darkness is just a lack. It just looks terrible. And that's part of how darkness winds its way into our heart. As our life slowly loses color and it loses beauty. And so part of what we do in the kingdom of God is we make beautiful places. <laughs> we make things look better, just even physically. And so for this, this mural to be there, we try to do a mural every summer. Dakota mentioned Mission 610. Uh, we spend a week every summer where we do different projects like this in the community to try and try and help uh, make it beautiful because we think that's what kingdom people do. Another thing we do, another story. Last fall, I was uh, teaching our high school group. We were going through the Gospel of Luke, and we got to chapter 3. Luke records how John the Baptist said, you know... Repent for the kingdom repent for the kingdom of God is near. And he talks about different ways. You if you if you have two coats, give to the one who has none. If you have extra food, share. And so I challenged the youth and I said, Hey, 
I want you to bring, I'm going to challenge you next week to bring something that will show the sign of your repentance. Like if you're using porn, like bring a Playboy. If you're, whatever it is. So the next week, I have no idea what would happen. A girl brought a little Ziploc bag and in there were two razor blades and a lighter. And she had been cutting herself and using the lighter to burn herself. She said, I didn't actually use these particular blades to cut myself. I just hid them in my room in case I needed them later. She said, I want to give these up. She gave them to Dakota and me, and we prayed for her. And there's a lot of youth that cut themselves. They cut themselves here, their thighs, their stomach, because the pain in their life is just so... And you know, I was thinking about that. It came to me this morning. Do you know how spider actually eats its prey? A spider has no stomach. A spider uses the body. Like let's say a spider catches a fly in a web and it injects like poison into the body of the fly and it actually swills the body of the fly, like the contents of the fly's body within the body of the fly. And then it sucks it out and that's how a spider eats. And it's kind of like that with the evil one. Like he takes, he just sucks the joy out of our lives. We just kind of walk around like shells. We're not really human. We're not really people. We just lose the joy and we lose the life and we lose the... That's what the evil one wants to do. And part of what this text earlier that we read says is we have been brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And what Satan tries to do is say, hey, do this. Smoke this, drink this, cut this, watch this. And it just, it just enslaves us and it robs us of our joy. And what Jesus says is, you let go of that and you will find a freedom that you have never known before. We're invited into the freedom and the hope of the glory of God. The last thing that I want to say is, from the text I mentioned earlier in Revelation chapter 22. You know, the tree of life that's in this new new heaven. It says, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. I didn't know it till after the first service, but these trees, these leaves represent things that you have done as servants of the kingdom of God. And I insert a little word in that verse to help me picture the mission of God in Saskatchewan. That is the word first. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the first nations. You see, I believe that what has happened to first nations people, I don't think Ottawa can solve it. Like, I'm going to be honest. I think what Stephen Harper did a few years ago was great. He apologized. You know, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and all of that. But I'll be honest, I don't think politics can fix it. What the grandmas tell us is that on the reserves, there are drug dealers that kind of run the show. And little children get abused, teenagers get abused, and nobody has the guts to stand up and call people on it. Again, it's a power imbalance, it's an injustice. And so, you know, the Bible says that our sexuality is a deep part of who we are. Like in Corinthians, Paul says, 
if you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. And so our sexuality is a core part of who we are. And when that gets messed up as a young person, it kind of messes up kind of the core of who you are. And politics can't fix that. Jesus Christ is the healing of the nations. And I think your mission statement to reach the world for for Jesus Christ one person at a time, what Jesus Christ does do is heal one person at a time. He restores joy. He restores life. He restores hope one person at a time. And that's how we participate in the kingdom of God. And so you people, God is on a mission. God is on a mission to bring this glorious future about. And we are on a mission with God. God is calling us to be people of the kingdom, to be agents of his glorious future. And so our job is to keep our eyes open, keep our knees well-oiled so that we can be humble and prayerful to see where God is working. Join him in that work and be part of the glorious kingdom that God has in our future. May God bless us all as we do that together with him. Amen.